Blog Talk Radio. That's what I was going to say. Anyway, I was reading an article this week called Most People Suck at Saying No. And the author, her name is Eva Glassrud. I think that's her name. And I think the blog was Happy Talent Blog or HappyTalent.com, something like that. Anyway, she said, if you want to be happy, you have to be able to say no without apology and without excuses because if you don't say no you're going to end up doing what you don't want to do you're going to end up doing what you don't want to do and if you give an excuse you're just inviting them that other person to ask again when your excuse doesn't apply for instance if you say i would do it but i'm busy today they're going to ask you about tomorrow this eva also points out that people use a lot of tricks to make it hard for you to say no they might suck up to you to make you feel obligated because if someone is friendly to you you're expected to be friendly to them and in this case that means doing what they want or if you say no to giving them everything they want they might say well can you at least give me part of what i want you know that makes them seem needy because they really need something they're bugging you about it but not too demanding. They appear to be reasonable, and you look unreasonable if you say no. Number three technique, they'll also use social proof against you. Social proof. They'll say, look, everybody else is doing it, which means it's the normal thing to do. (laughs) And if you still refuse, then you're not normal. And you know, you don't want to look bad because then people are going to hate you. They really will. People will hate you. But she says, so what? Let them hate me. The trade-off is worth it. Remember that. And to be a good recruiter, you have to be ready to say no to people all the time. It doesn't matter if they feel hurt. And it doesn't matter if they hate you. You know what? Hate can't hurt you. Remember that. And if you think it can, you're going to end up sending a lot of inappropriate people to your hiring managers for interviews. Now, I'm going to close by saying or reminding you, there's one place in the recruitosphere where you're free to say no. In fact, you're free to express all your honest negativity because we'll probably hate you no matter what you say. And Jerry, Jerry, what show is that? The Recruiting Animal excite me today, okay? Just so you know.
I thought it was a great shout out. Thank you, Maureen. I've got a lot on my mind, dude. To be to be spot on every Wednesday at twelve oh three and a half. Uh huh. My my. Come on. <laughs> Lesser Take man it. could Take not pull it off. That's all I'm telling you. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Plenty of lesser men. Let before me, we let get me, started. What? Anything else you have to say before no. we get started? No, nope, I got nothing. Okay. Okay. Our guest is here. I checked before the show. His name is Daniel Shake. Daniel Shake, come on down. Hey, how's it going? Great. Glad you're here. Okay, Thank I can you. hear you now. But you know what? I think you turned down your mic when you're in the green room because you don't want us to hear you when you sing, but you are going to sing, okay? And we're going to sing now and get it over with, and then you can talk like you usually do throughout the rest of the show. Are you ready? What was that whole business about saying no and everything? I cannot hear you again. Or well, maybe I just have to turn up my mic. Okay, go ahead. Okay, Did Maureen, you are you Go ahead. What are you going to say? What are you saying? I'm ready. I said, go ahead. Let's do it. Okay. I'm gonna, it's Love Me Like You Do by Ellie Goulding. I'm going to count to three. And we're going to start, okay? One, two, two. three. Love me like you do. Love me like you do. Yeah! Love, love me like you do. Love me like you do. Love me like you do. Yeah! Touch me like you do. Come on, Daniel. Love me like you do. Love me like you do. What do you wave? Touch me like you do. Yeah! One more time. Love me like you do. Love me like you do. Love me like you do. Love me you do. Love me like you do. Love me like you do. Love me like you do. And Canadians have to learn to be willing to sing, even if they're not good singers, because singing is beautiful. Okay? That's right. <laughs> and this guy's got young kids. You don't want to shame them, okay? They, you want them to That's be real right. people. Good. Thank you, Maureen. I can always count on you. Okay, look, what do you do, Daniel? Oh, don't tell me, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the introduction. I, I know what you do, and I just want you to say yes or no, and correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Is that Okay. Deal. Okay. You are the CEO. Your name is Daniel Chait. You call yourself Danny or Dan or Dambo or what do you call yourself? Usually Daniel, but, da- you know, Dambo works. Never heard that okay. before. Me neither. Okay. <laughs> You're the CEO of Greenhouse Recruiting Software. Your name is spelled C-H-I-T. Your brother, Wrong. I was telling Gary, it's what? C-H-A-I-T. H-A-I-T, your brother's a famous liberal journalist. Jerry's a very right-wing person, okay? I just wanted I wanted to say that. Anyway, uh, and he told Can me... Can I clarify like, something? What? I, I'm a staunch libertarian. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Uh, there's a difference, dude. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Can sorry. I, can, I cl- can, I, you, can I clarify something? Yeah. I'm an, I'm, an idi- I'm an idiot about politics. There's a reason my brother does what he does, and I do what I do. Okay. Let's leave your brother out of it. I couldn't resist. <laughs> okay. Okay. On Twitter, you're D-H-K. That's D-H-C-H-A. 
A-I-T, I got it right, and your company site is greenhouse.com. You are a guy who agrees with our contention on this show that hiring managers are the stupidest people in the world, and they need someone to hold their hand through every step of the recruiting process. So Greenhouse, as far as I understand it, is an applicant tracking system that isn't just a place to store data. It spoons feed people every step of the way, teaching them how to recruit. Is that right? Yeah, you got the headline right. It's also, by the way, it's greenhouse.io, not greenhouse.com. But yeah, I mean, basically, what? What? You know, details matter. Um, So, you know, look. Uh, That that changes everything right there. (laughs) I'm thinking greenhouse.com. That's that's a cool uh, that's a cool web address. Mm. Tell you what, greenhouseio. No. Tell you what, if you if you want to if you want to go shell out for the domain name to the guy and you know hand it off to me, I'd be more than grateful. Okay, listen, yeah. talk into your phone. Just remember that. Okay, we're going to get really into the show now. Now, you told Jeremy really Roberts. Really into it. Like, yeah. Woody. You told Jeremy Roberts, our good friend at SourceCon, that being good at hiring isn't a secret. Hundreds of books, newsletters, and articles explain the same best practices over and over again. All you have to do, you say, is read Lou Adler, John Sullivan, ERE, Fistful of Talent. And you know what recruiting is all about. So since our audience here is all recruiters, everything you tell us, we should already know. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a real issue here. We always try to say that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to implement the wheel. You know, this stuff like write down your questions ahead of time and ask them to your candidates, like write down their answers. That's a basic thing that most companies literally don't have in place. And so – yeah, I think that by and large what needs to happen in, the, in, in, in recruiting in order to help companies get better is just make it easier for people to kind of systematize things and less up to these individual you know managers. I like it. No, make it on up this as show, he's just – hold on a second. Danny is just regurgitating what he says everywhere. You're not supposed to do that here. That's why we get you to sing. So you talk like a real person instead of a machine, okay? So he's not supposed to tell you what he knows about his product and his service? He's supposed to now make stuff up he's never never even thought of before? That's unfair. He's not addressing the question, okay? I said recruiting has been discovered already. It's not anything new, okay? Everybody should know it. It, that's really what he's saying. It, he's it, not talking it, about recruiting. He's, this is the interviewing process. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interviewing. It's sourcing. It's all. It's, it's But, yeah, I mean, it's the whole thing. And basically, like you say, everybody tries to make it up every time on their own and kind of leave it up to these hiring Do they managers. really? Or is that just kind of your mantra, even though most companies really uh, do have a sound interviewing process in place? I, there are companies that do. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think it's most. I don't think it's even close to most. I think. It's uh, is your background in recruiting, Danny? Yeah, I ran recruiting in HR in my last company. My my original background is actually a, uh, in, in electrical engineering. So I graduated from uh, Michigan with an engineering degree. And he's I was a programmer. programmer. Okay, he's a programmer okay. who's run 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 all the recruiting in a big global company. So right. he, he knows a lot about it. He he said he's interviewed hundreds of people. Hundreds. Okay, hundreds. Okay, Almost what about, thousands, if you really what think about, about it. What about this book you recommended, uh, Who, The A Method for Hiring by Jeff Smart and Randy Street? If I read that book, uh, do I know everything I have to know about recruiting? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could spend a lifetime in still learning, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a comprehensive system. It basically talks about the things that everybody talks about. You should have a scorecard where you define ahead of time what you're looking for. You should have a plan in place for how you're going to source, and you should measure all that stuff. You should be focused on okay. You know, you know what? We'll get to that. Evidence. We'll get to that. These Turn are... the machine off, okay? Let me. <laughs> let, uh, uh, I'm going to get to your product. We've got a lot of time. I'm going oh, no, to ask I'm you. I'm talking about the book. I'm talking about the book. Okay. That's the table of contents from the book. Okay, but isn't your product essentially you, you guys, you and John Straw sat down, read a bunch of these books, and, and put it into a software so that, you know, there's like pop-up tips at every step of the way. But let's get to that later. I want to ask, we don't usually get a CEO here, a guy who's done a lot of hiring. We're all about recruiters. I want to ask you some mm. other questions. Is that okay? I'll get <laughs> to your awesome. stuff. I'll get to I... it. Here's our standard survey questions. How many people did you recruit on Twitter last year? Did I personally or did my company? Your company. Um, not that many. You know what? It's Anthem. a bad reflection on you when you're not Slippery. on a good phone. Are you on a cell phone? I am. That's not a good idea, okay? Uh-oh. I say on the instructions, use a landline. Okay? It's, my, it's 2015, we don't have landlines. No, right. you should, okay? Because cell phones are not good for business. I'm just telling you, okay? Now, look. How many people – okay, so Twitter is not a big deal in sourcing. Would you say that? And I have to say, everybody, I want everybody to know, part of what these guys do, and I'll get into it later, they benchmark what all of their clients do. They're keeping all kinds of big data. They know all the secrets about what really works and what doesn't because they track it in their in the in what their clients do so this guy's you know uh, he's a magician i want to ask him what he does because he knows what works okay so twitter twitter you're not telling your recruiters you guys get on twitter because that's not something you've been told works really well is that what you're telling us yeah there's a small number of tweets that really engage people but generally when you post hey we're hiring hey we're hiring hey we're hiring every day it turns people off nobody wants to hear that okay how many did you recruit from facebook uh, probably none. Pinterest? Zero. Okay. What about his, maybe here? What about GitHub? Uh, I think probably a couple. Uh, just a couple? It's not a major source. You know, last year we grew from like ten people to fifty. So yeah. it was a ton of it was a ton of inside referrals. I mean, it depends very much on the stage you're at. And so for us, like in that stage, tons of it was referrals. Okay. Right? Okay. So let's forget about, it. like, even Stack Overflow, Intelo. We shouldn't talk about those for you, okay? Have you ever had to fire somebody? <laughs> yes. But why? I mean, you're the recruiting expert. What did you do wrong? Uh, lots of things. I mean, at the end of the day, there's no such thing. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, it's an animal bad word. Oh, you that's right. Shit, your, I forgot. You, you had your marketing person read my website. You didn't read it yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. I did read it. I did read it. We had a whole thing about end of the day online. Um, sorry. Um but look, you know it is it is about um, you know it is about taking a chance on someone, and the best the only guaranteed way of knowing if you made the right hire is to work with the person throughout their career and see how they do. But of course, you can't do that with every candidate, so you have to take um, you know a guess. And the question is, how can you make the best educated guess you can to make the best likelihood of, of a good hire? So, so uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, job, we're going to get to your recommendations. You're you're very you, big you know, on on behavioral questioning, and reference checking, and yet they don't always work. Is that what you're telling us? Nothing always works. Well, what percentage of the time, if you follow this method that everybody knows for recruiting, 
what percentage of the time should you be hiring someone who's right for the job that you don't have to fire? I think if you're, I think if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're having less than ninety percent of people, or you think you made a good hire, you've got a problem. Really? Absolutely. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about? Okay. So, according to you, recruiting right now is generally based on what you call folklore, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. But as I said, you guys collect what you claim to be a lot of high-quality data, and it's generating insight into what works and what doesn't. And some of the questions you said you address uh, really puzzled me. You said, uh, for instance, the big data can show you which interview questions you should ask. How does, it, how does that work? So let's imagine you have uh, you know, two, hi- two hiring pipelines set up. And you look at the performance of which goes through, uh, you know, which candidates go through each of those two hiring pipelines. You can easily tell based on pass rates uh, and based on ultimately which of the which of the candidates that you that you hired succeeded or didn't, um, how how well factored, how how accurate, how valid your interview questions are. I think yeah, but they're the problem, the second, problem, but they're a group. They're a set of well, questions. Not interview, not 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 individual questions, are they? How do you measure the interview individual questions? Well, look, there's no, I mean, there's no magic bullet. It's not, you know, it's not like a, a an oracle. I mean, I think people have a misconception that big data is like a you know magician. You can just like throw questions at the wall and it'll always give you the magic answer. You gave that me that idea. I got it from you. Mm-hmm. No, I mean. You can, you know, you set up experiments. You test, like I say, if you want to vary the question and see the response, you vary the question and see the response. If you want to vary the, I, I, had, a com- so I had a conversation. Said, I'm, I'm going to quote you just so, and I'll move on, just so people know I'm not wrong. Okay, you said <laughs> which interview questions should I ask? How will it affect my hire if I add another interview? What about That's how right. do you know if to go about that? If you add another interview, so then you can right. test what. So I had a conversation with the CEO this week, and he said to me, uh, you know, I wasn't getting the, the throughput in my pipeline that I needed. So what did we do? Put an A-B test in where we created the same op- opening but had a radically different uh, set of interview questions. So instead of, you know, seven steps to go through it, it was three steps to go through it. And instead of behavioral, it was whiteboards, et cetera. And then measure the, the results of that experiment. And, yeah, absolutely they found that there were certain questions they were asking that had absolutely no bearing on the outcome. They made more what hires. Fun. The hires were of a higher quality, and they and they, and they did it quicker. So mm-hmm. you know, people can kind of accrete like layer upon layer upon layer of crust in their interview process. But every time they have a thought, they throw it in as another question. And like, yeah, everyone saw you should test pulling some of that out and see if it if it hurts you. It does okay. do it. This same thing with adding another interview. So if you're interviewing twice or giving to people three interviews, and you add a fourth. That's going to show up. You'll be able to tell if you're getting better results with four interviews than three? Yeah, you'll see. Are we collecting more data or less? Are we taking substantially longer to get people through the pipeline? Are good candidates turned off? Like you can look at in, you know, you know, in relation to why candidates don't make it through. Is it because they, they quit uh, our process and took another job before we even finished? Okay. Um, or did we okay. turn people away because of, uh, you know, culture fit or a particular skill that we have? Okay, I'm losing you. I don't know what you're talking about now. Anybody else got any questions for uh, Dan before <laughs> sure, I move on? Sure, I've got a question. When you Go guys ahead. began Alejandro. The, this conversation. Alejandro, you're, Alejandro's in New York. Just so you know, he's one of yours, okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm in New York. 
So uh, when you started the conversation, you said that uh, you're you're seeking to eliminate recruiting folklore or the you know the elements of recruiting folklore. Uh, yeah. I'd like a definition there. What are we talking about when we say recruiting folklore? You know, how are you going about that? So let's take one aspect of recruiting, which is sourcing. Where do you get your candidates? If you ask most companies, like, how do you guys find candidates? What you'll hear is a mix of basically the habits of the people they've hired. So you hire somebody who's like a LinkedIn jockey, and they sit on LinkedIn all day. You hire somebody else that, you know, posts a bunch of ads on different job boards. Hire somebody else that, like, goes to meetups and tries to network with people. Like, there's your recruiting strategy. It's not based on any kind of master plan, any kind of evidence, any kind of measurements. It's based on folklore. It's based on, oh, I did this at my last job. Um, and so that's really the type of thinking that we're looking to help get, people get past. That's what I mean by folklore. Does that make sense? It does. Thanks. Is that, is that what you've seen? Yeah, that's uh, how we do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get a lot of that. I think that it depends on the organization. Absolutely. How effective are job boards since you mentioned them? Do you have stats on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's two kind of main ways of job board will work. There's the kind of um, uh, general purpose kind of volume-based job boards, you know, your Indeeds and, 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 those, and those guys. And then there's the, you know, highly targeted niche sites, you know, your stack overflows, as you, as you mentioned, or dribble. And they're very different. So depending on what you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for a designer or a developer, I would say absolutely go to those niche sites. Um, if you're just if you just want some candidate flow, because hey, you're hiring an office manager, throw something up on you know simply hired, and you know you get your candidate flow it works really well. I think where you mix the two is where you really have an issue. If you're just advertising on Indeed for you know JavaScript programmer, <laughs> good luck. You know. Okay, hey Animal, I yeah. have uh, accepted the uh, responsibility of being Jeff Newman's question asker since he's in a position now where. He can't ask questions or what have you. I think I think it's going to end up being a bit overwhelming for me, so I'm just going to ask two questions, but then I'm out. I'm done. I'm resigning as his interpreter. Question number one, uh, why doesn't Greenhouse allow you to customize reports or pay for an add-on? And then secondly, past performance equals present performance. Why wouldn't you repeat what works? I'm done now, Newman. Alejandro is now your interpreter. Later. Oh, thanks. Uh, on question number one, I feel like you might be operating on outdated information. We do have a customized report of reporting add-in called Greenhouse Analytics. Great. Uh, it's based on um, you know uh, Amazon Redshift and Tableau, unless you build and customize your own reports. That's historical data, etc. Um, mm -hmm. I don't understand the second question. If past performance, I, I believe he's talking about uh, folklore. Yep. If your if your if your folklore works for you, what's the problem? Why wouldn't you just repeat that? Ah, right. Okay. So the issues are, I'd say, maybe twofold. Uh, so number one, um, you may be wrong about what worked for you in the past. Ooh. So if you don't have accurate information or complete information, um, you know about about your historical act actions and and their results, which most people don't, then you're kind of guessing that it worked. Right, and also you're bringing that into a new environment with new jobs, a new employer brand, a new labor situation. So it may not continue to work in any event. That's kind of point number one: is the things that maybe you think used to work, maybe are maybe aren't so 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 effective after all. Point number two is you don't know what you weren't doing to begin with, right? So just because you were focused on that one technique and got some results, you may have kind of found something that worked, but you could have been doing stuff that's way better. Maybe you should have been running a referral program. 
Maybe you should have been doing campus recruiting. And without stepping back and looking at a holistic kind of overview, you know, you're just you're just basically following your habits. And so I think, yeah, you should you know you should you should always be thoughtful about the, the overall mix and not just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So it's fair okay. to say that you're an advocate of measure everything. I think so. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you look at the way people advertise their products and 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 try to get customers, you know. Um, they're incredibly systematic about how they measure, incredibly systematic about how they approach where they're going to advertise and how they're going to get interest. You know, though you look at the way people buy job ads, it's like, it's like Mad Men days, you know, it's like the fifties. You go and you go and buy, you know, buy six figure job ads, spend somewhere. And then, you know, maybe later down the road in a year, you might or might not get some candidates. It's crazy. You go buy Google keywords to sell your product. You bid on them down to the penny and you measure it and, and update it in real time. So it's night and day, and I think ultimately that's where all of you know recruiting should be headed. What about people who don't have so like your kind of software? It's for corporations. It's not for third-party recruiters. Am I right about that? That that's right. Okay. So what about a third-party recruiter? Can they do the same kind of measurement that you're doing without the technology? I think it's hard without technology to do like systematic measurement, but I think they absolutely should be doing the same kinds of things. Right, because it's just, they're ultimately trying to create candidate flow as well. So okay. The best way to make first contact. Not that the hard. best way to make first contact with candidates: phone, email, text, if possible. Do you have any stats on that? Any feedback for us? Greatly depends on the candidate, right? It greatly depends on are you, you know, are you going after executives? Are you going after technical people? What labor market you're in? Um, but what I would say generally to that question is: there's no silver bullet. There's no one thing that you should do always. Like. Yeah, there's lots of stuff you need to do. Candidates take six, seven, ten tr- tries sometimes. Persistence pays off. So, uh-huh. so you know answer. what? I mean, you I kind of screw me up here. Like, I, I, I listen to your Sorry. videos, and I like them. This guy's got a lot of good videos online. Okay? But, you know, he, he, he kind of said, I can tell you exactly which interview, interview questions to ask. And here he's on the show. No, no I no, can't. No. I can't no, tell no. you. But, wouldn't okay and now no 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 saying, well what works phone calls email sex well it depends you know i can't tell you that so i mean this is big data it isn't as good listen, as it seems okay if, as, if, as, I, I, listen if, if the answer is as simple as oh everybody should just send phone calls well then you wouldn't need any automation or measurement whatsoever the exact point the whole idea here is you know you do need to figure out what's working in your situation and you need to work and people haven't been able to do that before well give us like, an example yeah, at least exactly of, of some you said okay it's going to vary pick some jobs so and I'll tell us you, what works so, best for those so I'll give, let, let me give you let me give you one example we, you know when i ran recruiting my last company we used to advertise for a given you know developer position on both stack overflow and a specialized financial site called eFinancial Careers, right? And what we found is you got, you know, candidate flow from eFinancial Careers, way higher volume than Stack Overflow, right? But what we found is that the people on Stack Overflow were, were much more technically focused, and when they got to aspects of cultural fit and did they want to work at my type of business, which was a consulting type of business, it was a much better fit. The people on eFinancial Careers, they wanted to work in banks, by and large. And so... That's an example of a direct measurement that you can take and say, great, for us in this context, it makes a lot more sense for us to advertise in a better pool for this audience. But, hey, if I was a bank, it would be the opposite. So when I say it depends, it's not because I'm being mealy-mouthed. It's because it depends. And the whole point is there's no magic bullet. You know, people have been saying for years, hey, recruiting is a hassle. We're going to simplify it to a push button, take it off your plate so you can get back to your real work. I think that's BS. I think recruiting is hard. It's very, very competitive. You have to be very, very good at it. 
Okay. So right. let me let me ask a question. Now I know you can't tell me from statistics anything about this. I just want to know your opinion. The greatest weakness question. Okay. You claim <laughs> you claim that anyone I've seen you say anyone who has had success has also had a lot of failure. And you give the example of these guys in the garage. Believe and you say, believe me, it wasn't so much fun in the garage. They didn't know they were going to be successful. Okay, so then if you ask people to tell you what when you're interviewing or when you've interviewed in the past or when you advise your recruiters, do you ask people to tell you what their worst failures were, and do you ever you know rule them out on the basis of what they tell you? I think it's generally a pretty lazy question. Um, you know, it's not clear to me if I'm asking you that. Why? What am I hoping to get out of it? What does a good answer look like, or what decision would I make based on that answer? So. I generally don't think it has a whole lot of value, uh-huh. um, and I think it makes it makes you look like you haven't really planned for the interview a whole lot. So I don't think it's going to impress great talent, to be honest. So yeah, I don't see I don't see a whole lot of utility asking that question. Uh-huh. Now, People say it's, I do, it's. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Look, if you're looking, you know, so one thing I try to look for is like you know things like resilience or you know people that want to actually uh, you know find out problems and try to tackle them. Uh, that weren't necessarily problems they were given to solve. So people that step outside their job and take initiative. And those are great behaviors for lots of different jobs, and there's really good behavioral interviewing that you can do to get at that. But I think asking what's your greatest weakness, it's just it's just kind of silly. Okay, you know what? You you gave a very interesting example of your office manager, of somebody who likes to go out and solve other people's problems. She's a, a problem eater. You said she's transformed your business. Uh, a humble office manager whom you just said a few minutes ago, you don't even have to worry which job job board you put the order on. You just slash it out there. But you said she's phenomenal. And, and the way, and you told us on this video how to get, how to determine you're talking to a problem solver. You First of all, do you think you should be looking for problem solvers for every job? And now tell us, and tell us how you do it. Uh, n- yeah, no, so I don't, I don't think for every job, although I do think that's one area where for most jobs, but there's certainly some jobs where you want people that are going to be satisfied doing the same thing every day and people that are going to be too antsy or too uncomfortable, you know, continuing to do a repetitive or, or mundane job. You should be upfront about who you're looking for that's going to like that because there will be someone who loves that job. There's somebody who wants to sit there and, you know, count the beans and file everything away. Um, it's not for everyone. Um, but to your point about, you know, how do you find people that are going to, you know, be, be problem eaters, you know, you know, ask behavioral interview. I mean, we, you know, my question on that is, you know, tell me about a time when you solved a problem that wasn't given to you and then drill in with skeptical follow-up. Why did you solve that problem? Why do you think no one else solved the problem? When you had a solution, did you do it or did you ask? How did you ask? You know, what was the outcome of the solution? And the, the, the swing between people who have solid answers for that and people who really don't is enormous and it's been backed up time and again. Mm-hmm. Don't you find though that people, or maybe people, have to you know reach back and pull out examples uh, out of their you know out of their memory uh, on, on the spur of the moment? I, I don't know if that always works. That's my opinion about these behavioral behavior. I questions. do think that's. I mean that that is a potential shortcoming of behavioral interview, no question. But I think generally, by and large, like the people who have a flood of those type of stories that are really impressive, they stand right out, right? Uh-huh. So in this case of my office manager that you asked about, you know. I asked this question. I basically sat back for half an hour while she told me story after story of saving companies from bankruptcy, bringing and building up the fire code, um, you know, stepping in the way of a lawsuit. These aren't like little things that your office manager files a paper clips away, right? And since she's, since she's been here, she does that same type of stuff, you know, all the time. She's added to our company culture. She's got fired uh, <laughs> equipment installed in our office. I mean, it's just 
the ways that people like that contribute is just just motivated by a whole different set of you know a whole different set of things, and they really want you know they're restless if they're not doing all they can. Okay, a few more of these, then we'll talk about your product because we're at the halfway point. Okay, can you base if you're a recruiter who hires the same kind of people all the time or a number of yeah. times? Should you be able to tell your client, based on the kind of data that your technology is gathering, how long the search is going to take, how many candidates are required, how many interviews are required? Yeah, I think the more you're hiring the same type of person over and over again in the same market, the better your quality of that information should be. So absolutely, after you've done you know dozens of, of searches for you know a you know SQL you know administrator in in Manhattan, you should. You should have really good numbers on that. Here's how many candidates it, it it takes to get from the top of my funnel to the bottom. Here's how the pass rates are at each stage. Now, look, there's always going to be some variation in any funnel. The sales funnel is the same way. Um, but generally, yeah, you should be able to predict that with a reasonable degree of, of, of accuracy. Because one thing, we'll, we'll get to it, but one thing in your planning stage for that your software advises people to do, uh, you say they're supposed to schedule how many interviews they're going to have with each candidate for a specific job. How do they determine that in advance? Well, again, you know, it's a question about it's a question about how much you know evidence you have. And so, at the very beginning, when you've never made this hire before and you haven't had any candidates come through, you have to make a guess. And so, typically, uh-huh. companies will start with one of our templates or framework to start with and say, "Great, we're going to do a screening call, we're going to do a phone interview, we're going to send a take-home test, we're going to bring you face to face for four interviews, we're going to do a reference check and make an offer." Like that's a very boilerplate you know, process, and there are standard things you look for in each of those steps, culture fit, different skills, you know, the person's career objectives, what have you. You know, you can start with something pretty basic like that and then improve over time as you get better data and measurement. So, you know, there's no question that the first time you make a hire of a new type, um, you've got limited you've got limited experience and limited information to draw from. I mean, there's no getting around that. And so I think ultimately, um, you know, having a system that lets you optimize and, and measure is really the best way to to improve that, and um, you know that's how it works. Okay. Anybody got a question before I start asking him about his own product? Anybody online got a question? Nobody. Okay. You know they always say don't let people talk, but I let people talk. Okay. Now your your basic <laughs> your basic premise is that companies stink at hiring. You're actually going out and telling people you are dumb. You guys are so stupid. You need me to guide you every step of the way, and that's that's what my software is going to do. I'm going to be your parent, and uh, I'm going to guide you through the process. Okay. And if this you're, is what if you're, you're if you're applying to be my head of marketing, you're not getting. Okay, actually, I would do a very good job. I know tons about you, more than I know about most people, okay? Now, how how do companies usually interview? This is what you say. Most people simply grab someone off their desk who has a full-time job doing something else, who's busy, and at the last minute they say, go into this conference room or get on the phone and talk to a stranger and tell us, if we should hire them. And they don't necessarily give the guy a resume. You don't have a job description. You don't know what the job criteria are. You just get thrown in there and you end up asking people about their hobbies. Or And then the person gets thrown from one ignoramus to another who asks the same stupid questions over and over again. I've never heard that story before. Okay? <laughs> I never heard really? that they were that bad. I mean, I believe it. Because they act really? like you're that stupid. It happens every you, single day of the week. How do you know? 
I've seen it. I mean, I've participated in interview processes at dozens of companies. Um, I talked to hundreds of companies in my role here, in, you know, at Greenhouse, talking to our prospects. Like, it more than anything, that story resonates with people. It's like, do you know? If you ask recruiters, like, do you know what questions your team is asking when they get in that room? Like, no, they don't. By and large, it's not that everyone doesn't, because a lot of people do. But by and large, companies really haven't planned that out. They haven't given the tools to the people that make the most difference, the most impact, which is the interviewers themselves. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, you're telling me as well that if you've got somebody, uh, a good programmer in your company, you can't just throw that in with uh, that person in with another guy, and he can come out after a half an hour and tell you this is a good programmer. You should hire him because you said, you've said. That you want to be with amazing people, whatever chance. Uh, a soft one guy, one software programmer can't can't talk to another for half an hour and tell you if this guy's amazing or not. Sometimes they can, um, but I mean, because you know they they probably don't. Um, you know, I mean, there's nothing against programmers, but like they're programmers, they're not they're not trained at, at interviewing. I mean, there's been lots of um, uh, research on the point of structured interviewing and the idea that. Um, you know, there are certain interview techniques that work really well. So most people haven't been prepared for that, I think. And, and, and so if you put people in a room, you know, they're just as likely to ask a question about an API that they were working on yesterday or a language feature that they happen to know about that makes them very clever um, and really isn't very, you know, very valid determinant of the, of the person's quality at all. So that's one point. I think the other point is, you know, even if they may, they, they may have some capability to be, to be predictive, to be good at it, um, you know, let's face it, you're going to have candidates interview with multiple different people at your company. And if those people aren't coordinated, if I'm not sure that I'm asking question A and you're asking question B, then, you know, you run the risk of everybody kind of like stepping on each other's toes, asking the same questions over and over again, which as a candidate is like a miserable experience. It's boring. Um, and as a company, it doesn't really give you a good opportunity to assess the candidates. You know, Okay, so what, what happens with your software is – the person gets uh, – everybody's pre-scheduled to interview a candidate, uh, and they get a uh, – their calendar sends them a notice uh, when the time is close, and also a package, an interview kit, telling them exactly what you're looking for and what questions to ask. Is that right? You got it. It's that simple. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like an automated attendant. Like, it's like an admin you know, assistant. Hey, like why would, why would you not do that? It just doesn't, you know, I don't think there's anyone in the world arguing like, no, it's a bad idea to give your interviewers questions to ask. Like, have them write down the answers. But, it's, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just not been done before. It's not been systematized before. That's really, that's really like our uh, thing. That's really what we kind of specialized at first. And, and, and you're selling like hotcakes. You're a phenomenon, right? Uh, this, is, this is like killing the market. Am I right? I think we're doing pretty well, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. And and so you've got a killer interview process. That's what I saw you call it. People don't like it when I quote themselves back to them, but I like doing it, okay? I love it. First of all, you've you've seen and read more of what I've written and said in my life than anyone, than my parents. Okay. I'm very impressed. Okay. (laughs) Uh, 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 And and anyway, so there's three different categories of, of things that you have to cover in an interview. First of all, skills. Then personality then qualifications and other details, okay? So the skills, you say the only way to test skills is by, or, or determine skills, is by testing. So you're always thinking in terms of IT programmers. You say they have to program during the interview. But what if it's not 
a, a programmer? What are you going to have somebody count on a, a calculator, or you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> honey, to... Uh, that's, no, no, no. It's not limited at all to programmers. So let me give you a couple examples. If you're hiring a salesperson, what are the things a salesperson needs to do? Well, in my company, a salesperson needs to be able to deliver a cold call. You know what? I, you know how I test that? Have them give a cold no. call. So we sit there across the table, like ring, 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 hello. And of course, you prep them a little bit for what you're looking for, and you know, set them up to with the right context. But like. At the end of the day, you're either going to freeze up in the moment or you're going to deliver a good cold call, right? I hire a finance person. They need to build Excel models. Guess what I'm going to have you do during the interview process, right? We're going to open up a laptop. I'm going to watch you in Excel. And we're going to give you some structure to that. We're going to, ask you to, we're going to give you a task to do. But I want to see you do it. Okay. If, if a third-party recruiter is sending someone into you, should they depend on you doing that part, or should they be testing these people like that in advance? Huh. Um, it's, it comes down to the it comes down to the evidence that the company needs. If I have a recruiter that I trust that I've worked with for a long time, and I and I have good faith and good evidence that they do that amount of assessment ahead of time, I can assume that they, that it's been done. Generally, I don't. Generally, you can't like, assume based on. Hold on, you can't assume based on the last job on the resume. No, <laughs> you're kidding, right? No, no I'm not. People, like the world is full of mediocre people doing amazing things. Like. Yeah, there's great there's great people at all kinds of companies, but there's also people that are the wrong, that are that are that are not great at all kinds of companies. So just the fact that you are you know a programmer at some amazing tech company or a salesperson at a great sales company doesn't mean you're you know it's, it's not it's not proof. It's maybe a little bit of evidence, but you certainly better back that up with okay. With a check. But you also say and, go ahead finish your point. And and what made you successful at your last job may have nothing to do with what's at this job. So we talked about a salesperson earlier. Salesperson. It's a wildly different job based on the company, based on the sales process, sales methodology. So assuming that they were a successful person at their last company and therefore they'll be successful at this company, I think it's a big mistake. Okay. Okay. Uh, I could go into that too. There's certain like these rainmakers, they say don't hire them for a small company. They had a lot of support at a big company and they might not just strike out and have to do everything themselves. But you also said if you don't have skills in a certain field yourself, you should get an expert to back you up on your interviews of, of of that candidate, is that right? Yeah. So I was giving a talk at a you know at a, like a startup conference. You had a lot of people that were just getting going. They're a two person startup and they're trying to hire an engineer. So that was kind of like the context. It's like, hey, if I don't have any programmers in my founding team, I need to hire a programmer. What do I do? Or you see programmers start a company. They go, I don't have any salespeople. I have no sales experience. How do I hire my first salesperson? So really, in the context of like bootstrapping a new job. Um, I think, yeah, bring in some outside experts. So, you know, you may have it at a larger company where you've gotten to a certain stage and you've never hired, you know, a head of operations or a head of finance or a head of HR. And I think, yeah, if you, if you're trying to make those those players in areas where you don't have any capability in house. You who's, should is rely that you, on. Is that you? Know, who's got the Who's got the office noise behind them there? Not me. I'm, 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 I'm sitting still. Okay. Okay, you know what? We're starting. We're. I'm, I think I'm going through two two things that are too common. I want you to teach the third party recruiters listening <laughs> to the show something they don't yeah. know. But but here is a question I have to ask. You said personality traits should be half the interview. You want to clarify people's motivations and figure out if they you know want the job and fit with the company. Half the interview on personality. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the reasons that people succeed and fail at companies, a ton of it has to do with their motivation, their fits of the environment, their values. I mean, it's huge stuff. And to, and by the way, also, one of the most you know uh, uh, poorly done and, and overlooked at, at most companies. So, 
you know, yeah, they they tend to throw technical problems at people in the interview process, but like, have most companies really got their act together on culture fit, personality type, motivations, expectations? No. So yeah, I think that stuff is, is super. Well, important. tell us how. How to do it? Well, I mean, I think there's two real there, there's two real ways. We talked about behavioral interviewing. That's a great way to get at those motivations and personality traits. I also think well, no, 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 no. How do you get at their okay? The personality trait was the problem solving we did. How do you get at their motivations? Yeah. yeah so, so you know, I mean, I think uh, the, you know the other way is really through through references. I think people under um, under um, emphasize references as a way to understand your candidates. People think of references as like. At the end of the process, you've already decided to hire the person, and I'm going to call their former boss and hear what a great guy they are. Really helped, right? Um, but if you have real questions about somebody's motivations, is this person a job hopper? Are they in it for the, you know, are they in it for the money? Are they passionate about the domain? Like, what do they really like, and why do they really want to do the things they do? You can use those background reference checks as a great way to get at some of that. You, know, you can talk about, uh, you know, you can take a reference call and you can say. You know, where would this person be in the top five of who you've of who you've worked with in the past? And when they say, you know, they'd easily be in the top five, they'd be number three, they'd be number two, say, great, well, what was the difference between that person and number one, right? Or, hey, you know, when I talked to this person, they said that, you know, they're sometimes easily bored by details. Um, is that something that you noticed? And you can really get some insight from, you know, people that used to work for them. Obviously, generally, people they give you as a, as a reference name is going to be someone uh, trusted and who's going to say generally good things, but within that range of like it's a good recommendation. There's a lot of there's a lot of room there. There's a lot of real estate to to learn a lot about the person. So between behavioral interviews and background reference checks, you can really get a pretty good picture of what the person's about, why they're interested in your job, and um and what they'll be like to work with. How long does your reference check take? Um, you know, two or three calls. I mean, depends on scheduling. It can take a few days. Oh, no, no, but I mean one call to a, a reference show. Oh, Half yeah, an hour, 15, 20, 20 minutes? No, yeah, 15, 20 minutes. You don't want I mean, you got to respect people's time. Okay. You said you kind of set it up like this. You tell the candidate, when I call your references, what are they going to tell me about your strengths and weaknesses? So you get them to confess ahead of time. Is that is that a general rule with you? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a general rule, but I think it's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. And then, then when you said when you get on the phone, you say, Bob is a great guy. He told me. Did you experience an X, Y, Z, whatever he told you? Did you experience that, right? Is that exactly your – is that your format? Because you didn't tell, tell that now. Uh, it's close. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to go on the radio and give, give the whole script away. But, yeah, that's, you know. Why not? Are you calling that. other than listed references <laughs> I'm, as well? I'm, tr- I'm trying to say – I'm learning how to say no. Some, a wise man told me that about an hour ago. So, so uh, come on, you're asking you stuff that you've already said all over the Internet. Alex has a question for you. Go ahead. Are you calling Line other reference. than listed references? You know, are, are you digging a little deeper than just for the people senior, they're for giving you? Yeah, for senior people, definitely. I, you know, not, not as a general rule, but I think for senior people, definitely. Okay. Background references, yeah. Okay. So let's go to the final, the, fi- with the, the other part. So we didn't talk about planning the sourcing. I wanted to focus on the killer interview process. But then the final process is also very important. It's usually done in a very sloppy way, the the selection process. Right? I'm right about that, right? Agreed. Okay. So you want to chat about it a bit? I would love to. That'd be great. I mean, you know, one, one kind of interesting point about this is, I don't know if you've seen, Cass Sudstein has a book out now called Wiser, which is about how groups make decisions. And as I was reading that book, 
it's basically saying the same things that we've been saying at Greenhouse, which is like when you get a group of people in the room and ask them to make a decision together, if you're not careful, there's a lot of really major ways that those conversations can go completely off the rails. So people tend to look at, at the opinions of others and overweight their confidence as opposed to their own opinion, right? And so you get these kind of information cascades where the first person who speaks, their, their view is overweighted. Um, you, get, uh, stat, you, get, you get status cascades where the most important person in the room, people want to know what the boss thinks before they open their mouth. And then they all say, you know, yes, sir. Um, not to mention the very basics of uh, people generally don't remember all the candidates they met with. They don't remember what they asked them. They don't remember what the answers were, what they thought about them. Those views can change over time. So, yeah, I think, you know, the kind of post-interview huddle where you get everyone around a table and chat about the candidates is, is riddled with errors. And if you're not careful about it, it's a major source of hiring uh, mistakes. Okay, so what you have to do during the interview then is is give everybody the exact same questions to ask. Is that what you? Totally. Okay, so yeah, they're and can... and they score them on a scale of one to ten or something like that. How do they score them? Yeah, I'm not a, you know I'm not a big guy on, on numbers because the next thing everybody wants to do is take an average of those numbers and hire the one at the top of the list, which I think is silly. So we really just ask you to evaluate them as did they clear the bar or not. Um, okay. And by collecting by collecting the same data from lots of different interviews across lots of different you know candidates, you actually get a pretty fine grained view of the people, even with just a kind of thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. So you get these five people who have interviewed this person, and they can look at their their reports and and uh, then make the decision objectively. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be subjectivity here, but I think the real issue is. Uh, when you get together to discuss a candidate at the end of the at the end of the process, there's sort of three questions you really want to have answered. Number one, of course, where is the candidate strongest and weakest? Um, you know, everyone's different, and you know, you're never going to have you know, you might have that like purple squirrel or whatever they talk about, where they're perfect at everything, but generally you have trade-offs to make. Uh, number two, um, what don't we have enough evidence about? So where have we said this is an important criteria for us to make the hire, but this candidate, for whatever reason, we don't have the data we want on them. Um, and then number three, where does the team disagree about this candidate? Where has someone said they're really strong on leadership and another one said they're really weak? And I would say if you're going to get together and spend your time talking about candidates, focusing on those three questions is, is you know, is, is a really important way to avoid mistakes and make smart decisions. Okay. And and if you're a third-party recruiter, and now I, I, I you've scared me. I, I just never realized it was this bad, okay? Uh, I mean, I know they do dumb things. You'll find them, the one person in the country who can do the job, they say, oh, we have to get three people to meet him, and we can't get them yeah. all in town on the same day. He's only here one day. He lives on the other side of the country. Too bad, okay? So they're foolish. I understand that. But this foolish, you've made them seem like they're all on acid or something. What are we supposed to do as people outside the company? How do we um, uh, apply this discipline? Should a third-party recruiter say, look, Miss, Miss Hiring Manager, I just want to make sure things run smoothly on the inside. I'm gonna, you know, can we work on a list of questions? Or usually you imagine they know what they're talking about, maybe even better than you. So what would you do now? Now that you know, what would you do if you were on the Outside. Yeah, and no, I've been, I've been there. My last company, we used to, you know, we had a very rigorous selection process. We would hire, you know, people that were fantastic, and then we would put them on client projects, and the clients would insist on re-interviewing them before they went on the project. And what we learned very quickly was the clients were completely random. They would have absolutely crazy objections to some of the best people we ever hired, and they would fall totally in love with people that 
um, you know, that, that weren't necessarily the best for their roles. And it was based on complete nonsense. It was based on the fact that the guy was confident, had a good handshake, or happened to have one particular, like, library, you know, API thing on his resume or what have you. You just, you just didn't know. So I've been in that position. I think, um, you know, you hit the nail on the head, actually, is you should have an understanding and agreement with your customer as an outside recruiter about what exactly are you going to put the people through before I get to see them. And I want, to know what, I want to know what the product is that you're sending me. What analysis have you done on them? What questions have you actually asked them? And only then can I actually have some basis for understanding why you think this guy's good or that guy's bad. Um, so, yeah, definitely you should have that agreement. The other thing to note, though, keep in mind, is you know, staffing agencies or outside recruiters, they play a role at the top of the funnel down through you know, a couple of steps in, but they're not your whole recruiting process as a company. So when an agency sends you people, you know, you're not just going to give them a job offer sight unseen. You have to do your own homework as a company. You know, it's just how the system has to work. And so, you know, you need to do enough homework as an outside agency that you're not wasting my time. I want you to send me good, reasonably qualified leads that I can then do my interviews on and have a reasonable chance of hiring. But what I don't want, you know, is, you know, you're going to bring the person up, uh, you know, and, and, and they're ready for me to just give an offer to and have them start. Like, obviously, I have to do my own homework. And the person has to meet with me and get sold on my company anyway. So it's kind of no skipping that process. Yeah, yeah, but my the whole point here is that you say these guys like you gave a good example. He was talking he ran a consulting a global consulting firm or something like that. Yeah, so you were sending yeah. out consultants and, yeah. and your clients were as dumb as anybody else and they didn't know how to screen the candidates. So that was a really good description. So we're doing the same thing. I don't yeah. know. I don't Okay. Anybody <laughs> so got a comment you- on that? Alejandro? Um, you know, I, I think that he's right that you have to get a sense of what questions they're going to ask. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, tailor, tailor your approach. You do it? You do it? I do. It well, it depends on the search, too. I mean, if I'm if I'm going through a VMS and it's just something quick and dirty where you got to get a candidate in front of somebody, not as much. If you're doing more thoughtful, retained stuff, you better know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question. Oh, Mike, Mike Cox, did you want to say something? No, it, it provides more control. When I was on the outside third party, it just helps to to know what people are going to ask about and what you need to make sure that your candidate is prepared to to um, to answer. And then on the inside, um, you, you need to prep your your hiring managers because they're not, you know, they they do what they do. They're they're not professionals in interviewing. So they need to be prepared to... Okay, so you're a director um, of recruiting inside a, a 500-person company. Is it as bad as is, is it as bad as bad uh, Daniel suggests, or is he just, you know, scaring us in the market to buy his product? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is pretty bad because, uh, again, you know, it, it's, it's like uh, hiring managers knocking out a candidate because they have a horrible resume. Well, they're not being hired to write resumes for us. So stop looking at that. But <laughs> exactly. At the same time, hiring manager or a sales manager is hired to drive revenues and, and uh, acquire new accounts and develop his or her uh, uh, sales executives, not really to interview. So we have to work with them as, and, and build up their skills and interviewing and reviewing resumes and and digging deeper in in the right areas. 
John Strauss, his uh, Daniel's partner, said that uh, you know sometimes you can have great recruiters on the inside of a company, but you've got blockheads that they have to work with. Like uh, I think he used the example of an arrogant. CTO, Chief Technical Officer, who thinks he knows everything. And so what they have to do is use this software for a while, get the data, and show them where they're screwing up based on the data. And they, and they can use the data to create a revolution in the company. Is, is that right, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, I think when you, you know, so I've sat on both sides, right? I've been a hiring manager, I've been a recruiter. And there's a breakdown both ways. The number one way to kind of resolve that breakdown and get back on the same page is through data. So if I'm saying as a hiring manager, geez, Mr. Recruiter, I opened up this role, uh, you know, six weeks ago, and where the hell are my candidates? You know, what's that based on? What's your benchmark? What expectation do you have for how many candidates you're going to get when and what's going to happen? And on the other side, you know, as a recruiter, you sit there and you go like, hey, you know, you said you were going to go through your LinkedIn profile and give me five recommendations of people I should reach out to. You never did. Hey, you were going to read, you know, you were going to read through the the interview, you know, questions and help and help, you know, correct them. Or you were going to work with me on a job ad. Or you said you were going to go speak at a meetup and you didn't. So there's expectations on both sides, and those expectations tend to be hidden. And so if you can pull any kind of data benchmark plan together and you know communicate on that, then it becomes less about he said she said and more about. How are you okay. doing and that's because do I don't think I'll have time for my last question, but I have to add this. You guys uh, share the data for, of your different clients with, the, like, the whole community. So everybody gets to find out what works best and what doesn't work across the uh, customer base. Is that right? Uh, so we provide an aggregated and anonymized data. I want to be very, very clear about that. Uh, your interview notes are not going to go to the guy next door. But overall percentages, so for example, you send out a, a survey to your candidates and you ask them questions about how do you, you know, was, was it a good interview process? Were you treated courteously? Did they ask hard questions? We share those as benchmarks across companies so that you not only have questions about how did we do in the past and, and what, what, what are we strong and weak on, but how do we compare to our competition and what could we be doing better? So, yeah, you know, I do think that, um, you know, looking at broader data than just your own company is, you know, is useful and we, and we try to do that. No, I thought it was very powerful if it's done. Now, the, the other the final question I was going to ask was, you said that hiring a recruiter, if you don't have one in your company, it's a super asset. Uh, you get better people, and it takes a real load off of the senior executives. So, you know, I know you're a big fan of Lou Adler and, and Josh Burson. I was going to ask you, uh, you know, some questions from Lou Adler's recruiting scorecard, but I just don't have time to do that. Is there anything we didn't ask you that you might give a tip to third-party recruiters? No, I think you really got at the heart of it, which is really around, you know, oh, yeah, using I don't think data, I being, being thoughtful about questions. I mean, you know, um, like I said, you did you did more homework about me than anyone. I was really impressed. It doesn't mean I presented it well. Just like you said, it doesn't mean I presented it well, okay? Well, I don't call people Jerry? blockheads. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay, but it's essentially what you say. <laughs> I mean, really, I, you got, you, I, I told you, it's a horror story the way you guys describe it. And And here you got Mike Cox who's a calm, kind of reasonable person, backing you up. I was shocked. Now, Jerry hasn't said <laughs> one word since since the beginning. He usually does an after show. Or, Jerry, are you still awake or are you still here? I don't I don't think so. No, he's gone. Yeah, Does anybody else want to lead it? Anybody else want to lead it after show or are we finished? Uh, We're finished. Don't, don't worry know. about it, Alejandro. Daniel Chase, thank you! Ah!